Welcome back to Administrative Static. Very excited uh, in this segment to have uh, our Director of Engagement at the New Civil Liberties Alliance back with us on Administrative Static, Clegg Ivy. Welcome to Administrative Static. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, always a lot of fun to get on here and talk about the King George III Prize for the worst violator of civil liberties. And uh, it's a, it's, we're excited. We're down to the elitist eight. The elitist eight. That is a, that, not the elite eight. <laughs> no. The, the elitist eight. I love it. I love it. That's great. Yeah, we've, so we've got four matchups left. And, uh, uh, and no surprises really on the top of the, the top of the ticket, the top of the bracket. Anthony Fauci just storming his way into the elitist eight, uh, now facing off against Merrick Garland. Uh, the attorney general, the Department of Justice, um, right. and it's uh, and everybody knows that how can we pick just one reason for Anthony Fauci to have been nominated uh, this year? Probably the one that we've gotten the most feedback on is his decision that I am the science. I am the science, right? <laughs> yes, um, and, and and you know I feel bad for Merrick Garland. Who, and well, and I was going to say, and and don't forget that all of the bad things Fauci has done in 2022 are not taken into account for <clears throat> for this. And so, for example, the fact that he has said that he maybe looking at retirement that doesn't he doesn't get a pass for that oh we we, we think he's trying to duck so he doesn't get nominated <laughs> for next year and uh, just wait till we talk about Rochelle Walensky over at the CDC talk about somebody who's already done enough in early 22 mm. to secure a nomination for 23 wow okay uh but but we'll, we'll we'll get there so so Anthony Fauci uh everybody knows this is a one-two matchup in this bracket is it a one seed and a two seed Fauci against Garland is it maybe oh no 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 uh, the number two seed is Rochelle Walensky over there on the other side oh but I thought there was the a bracket. one seed in every in every uh yes in okay. every quadrant in every quadrant right so in this quadrant absolutely and so this is what we expected we expected okay. Fauci to face off against Garland, um, and uh, and I just don't see based on the based on the input we've gotten, I don't see how Fauci is not just going to storm his way. Uh, there would have to be a flood of late votes, or there uh, would have to Garland. be a flood. That the okay. flagrant four is what's next. Ah, okay. And that flagrant four, I guarantee you, uh, we're probably going to see Anthony Fauci up there. Well, now, he's certainly been flagrant. So that he's was... certainly been flagrant. Now, kind of a similar situation. We've got Rochelle Walensky of the CDC. Up against Douglas L. Parker of OSHA. Now it's now, too. Is this, is this the southeast bracket since the CDC is in Atlanta, or uh, <laughs> how does right. that? That's right. Yeah, this <laughs> is the southeast bracket. That's exactly right. Um, and, and these folks are. Uh, and it's funny because not only are they both, uh, you know, sort of this public health uh, style nominees, but they both did kind of the same thing. The CDC decided it had the ability to pass an eviction moratorium. How in the heck? Does the Centers for Disease Control decide that they can change local property and landlord laws? Well, OSHA was like, hold my beer. We're going to make public health policy for 84 million Americans with no act of Congress, just, just an agency sort of flying off, getting way over its skis. So you really, honestly, you just have to, uh, it's hard to pick between the CDC and OSHA here. Um, and I'm happy. Uh, one of them is definitely going to the flagrant four. And honestly, I don't care who. <laughs> they're, uh, they're they're both worthy winners. They're both worthy winners. Yes. Um, well, like many single uh, elimination format tournaments, there there may be more than one worthy winner at it, the end. But, it's but only one can only one can can be on top. It's a little bit like that movie from the late '80s, The Highlander. There can be only one. Um, <laughs> this so, year. This year. So uh, I want to really I really want to call attention to a a, a fun lower down um, matchup: Dennis McDonough of the VA and Rick Spinrad of the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Agency. Now, what? NOAA? 
how are they already in the flagrant, uh, in the elitist eight and well on their way to the flagrant four? The Oscars. The Oscars. The oh, Oscars. Was, there, was there a bump of, of support for uh, for Noah coming out of the, uh, the so Oscars? Our, hopefully our listeners are familiar with the movie Coda, uh, which is about Northeastern fishermen. Specifically, these folks are from Gloucester, Mass. And the villain in Coda is a bureaucrat from NOAA who is enforcing on them the same kind of rules that we at the NCLA are, are suing Noah over on behalf of both Northeastern fishermen and these Gulf South fishermen. I remember this at the Oscars. Will Smith was so upset about this that he went on stage and slapped Chris Rock. He right? did. That- he, 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 said, keep, uh, he said, keep those Northeastern fishermen out my doggone mouth. Something like that. <laughs> That might not have been exactly what happened, but you yes, know what? It, my, mem- it, my memory might be right, might right, be wrong. But, but Coda did win Best Picture, Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor, and yeah. it's great. You know, the 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 actual uh, the bureaucracy and the the uh, constitutional abuse was a part of the plot of the film. So, um, so we, see it, see it if you haven't. Definitely see it if you haven't, and then and vote in the vote KG3. For, yeah, let's let's have it. And then lastly, we've got you know Phil Murphy, uh, Governor of New Jersey. Um, is going up against this, this Gary is, This is Governor, uh, the Constitution is above my pay grade, Murphy, right. from New Jersey. I, I think the, that might have been the year before that he said that, but and same, he, same guy. And he was a nominee last year. He was. He he's was. A, he's a two-time loser. He's a t- <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we all know what he was up for, but Gary Gensler of the SEC, this is somebody that eked into the Sour 16, but has come on strong because of everything that is happening with Elon Musk and Mark Cuban. Uh, yes, uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with the um, with what what they're doing. The SEC is doing with this gag rule, um, and and Mark Cuban has started sort of uh, tweeting about it and complaining about it. And more and more people are learning that when you when the SEC wins a suit against you in enforcement action, they tell the whole world. They practically have a parade down Wall Street uh, with your and they burn you in effigy. <laughs> when the SEC loses. Uh, then when they see that they're going to lose, oh, they force you in, into a settlement and they force you to sign a gag rule. You can't talk about the fact that you were innocent. And so what happens is no, the, no admit, no deny settlement, which I suppose could be fine if there weren't a gag rule associated with it. Uh, you know, there's something on both sides there with a no admit, no deny settlement. But if it's no admit, no deny, and then they can talk about it, but but you can't. That that doesn't that doesn't really seem like a fair settlement. Right. No admit, no deny is a great tool for allowing two parties to walk away. When uh, and and the problem is that the SEC enforcement action it makes you radioactive, and the whole time the SEC is saying to you, um, any witnesses you call, they say to those witnesses, boy, it'd be a shame if we had to investigate you. They say to your employer, wow, do you really want to have this person employed uh, who's under investigation? Your family, your business partners, everybody is tainted by this radioactive uh, radioactivity. And so you want to get rid of this thing as soon as possible. So when the SEC sees that they're losing, they they put a gun to your head and they say, well, why don't you just sign here? We'll do a no admit, no deny. But you can never tell anyone you're innocent. You can't talk about why. You can't talk about. And thus, all of their losses don't become a precedent for future cases, for future enforcement actions. Well, and it keeps some of the some of the defendants from talking amongst themselves as well. It's like, oh, you went through this. This looks like my case. Yep. Let me tell you what they did to me so you can be ready for it. Kind of that, that sort of thing that happens in every other sort of defense context. I mean, certainly DOJ doesn't have these same kind of gag rules, and yet they manage every year to put people in prison at, over there at the Department of Justice. I'm not sure what why SEC feels like it needs this unfair advantage. But uh, so does that does that conclude the the four? Uh, Those are the four the, matchups. The four matchups. Okay. 
Well, so what what does the winner of it? Uh, well, so you already mentioned that that uh, uh, that that the the flagrant four is next, but but what does the winner of the flagrant four get? <laughs> well, Mark, we've got uh, we've worked with the uh, craftsmen, uh, not at the Franklin Mint, but you know they're they're they're, they're just <laughs> the next best thing. the next best thing to the craftsmen, and we have created a trophy that has a three D a three dimensional sculpture of King George III in all of his resplendent and disdainful glory. Ah, very nice. Uh, and uh, the winner will be, they'll have their name and, and their agency uh, bolted uh, right on that, right out of that trophy. And we hope that 10 years down the road, we can retire the trophy because we will have fought the administrative state and won. And, the, and in 10 years, we'll just have a bunch of uh, bureaucrats that we put to shame and stop their abuse. Yes. So this is a permanent record of their, of their tyranny and their, uh, violations of civil liberties. They were the worst violator of civil liberty for whatever year they, they win the prize and their name goes on this trophy indefinitely. Indefinitely and yes, and in, in person, they will, we'll have a trophy case in the front office here at NCLA uh, and maybe we'll have a parade and, uh, and, and go down <laughs> Pennsylvania Avenue or something exciting and fun. Uh, but that, you know, people there is still time to vote. So, uh, you know, we're posting about this on our social media. You can go to our page. Honestly, the easiest way is to just Google NCLA and King George III and boom, we're the first site that comes up. Um, and, and you can definitely vote for, uh, again, Fauci versus Garland, McDonough versus Spinrad, Walensky versus Parker, and Murphy versus Gensler. Those are your four matchups. And then we'll be announcing the, uh, uh, the winners in early June. And when do they need to get their votes in in order to, to count before? I assume there'll be another round of voting for the flagrant four. But for this right. elitist eight to get to the flagrant four, when does, when does voting uh, run through? Is this like through May May? Fifth, sixth, something. Well, like I'm that. glad you asked, Mark. I think we're going to say that the last day of voting is on May the fourth. May the fourth. Yeah, it's a very, a very special holiday for some of us. <laughs> uh, you well, who are out there who know who you are, you know why May the fourth is a special and important holiday. May, may the fourth be with the future winner of the King George the Third Prize. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, the dark side of the force in this, in, in this case, I Absolutely. guess, with, uh, with these folks. So, uh, so I, I wanted to, to to let folks know too. The trophy bears a striking resemblance uh, to the caricature of King George III uh, on the uh, on the bracket. Uh, so I was, I have to say, thoroughly impressed with the quality of the trophy that you procured for the uh, for the distinguished uh, winners of this prize, losers of this prize. I'm not sure what the well. I, uh, so you know what? Let's do a shout out. There's an artist. His name is Ron Borison, um, and we commissioned Ron to do. The original illustration of King George the um, Third, and and he is a genius. You can see his art. Uh, Google him. Uh, he's an incredible illustrator. And 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 we had our, you know, we had him work with <clears throat> the sculptor to create a really, you know, a, a beautiful uh, sculpture based on Ron's original art. Uh, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. And Ron, if you're out there, thanks, buddy. You're you're doing a you're doing a solid for the for the fight. Well, I think people will love this, this trophy. I don't know that people will love to have their name on this trophy. I don't know that, uh, that the winner is going to want to show up and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and claim this, this prize. Mark, but, we're uh, driving Fauci to retirement. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's been fun to watch this. Uh, you've been, a, you've done, you've done a great job with this tournament, getting us from, from the 32 down to the sour 16 and now the elitist eight and then pretty soon the flagrant four, uh, so, so vote by vote by the fourth for the flagrant to get to the flagrant four. That's right. And then the final winner will be announced uh, at uh, NCLA's forthcoming fifth anniversary gala on June seventh. So we can be looking for that as well. 
Uh, Blake, thank you for being on Administrative Static today. Thanks for the update. My pleasure. Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni here, and we are pleased to have back with us for our last installments of the uh, King George III Prize, Clegg Ivey, our Director of Engagement here at the New Civil Liberties Alliance. Welcome back to Administrative Static, Clegg. Uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, it's always great to be here, and uh, boy, I love talking about the King George III uh, Prize Tournament. We had a great flagrant four here, the last four, uh, and, and it, it came right down to the wire. Well, and we and, and I should say, too, John and I haven't talked about this yet, but we had a wonderful gala this week uh, here in Washington, D.C., celebrating the fifth anniversary of the new Civil Liberties Alliance. It's hard to believe that it's been five years uh, already, but, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, and it's it's the second anniversary of the King George III Prize. But this year uh, we had a trophy that was unveiled and that uh, that you were instrumental in, in procuring. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about about the trophy? Uh, I'd love to. You know, it's uh, and I'll say time flies when you're uh, uh, holding the government accountable. I'll tell you that uh, <laughs> every day we get to get up and sue the government is a good day. I thought you were going to say time flies when you're poking fun. <laughs> that would have been pithier. Uh, yeah. So uh, those of you who've seen uh, the King George the Third Prize uh, website uh, and some of our fun posts on social media, you've seen that we had a professional artist Ron Borison uh, uh, draw a custom. Uh, image uh, illustration of King George the Third, and we uh, we found the craftsman at the Franklin Mint basically uh, made for us a sculpture that is the exact three D representation of that uh, beautiful illustration with all of his haughtiness uh, and 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 abusive nature on display. And we had that trophy at the gala, and it was a big hit. It was a big hit. Um, we also had uh, King George III himself was at our gala, it turns out, and he was impressed. He, yes, he did. He did show up in full <laughs> regalia, didn't he? Uh, or, or, a, or a reasonable facsimile thereof. Well, uh, it, we announced the winner uh, at that gala, and there were several nominees that made it to the Flagrant Four that didn't quite yes. make the cut. Tell us, tell us who, who was in the Flagrant Four. Rick Spinrad of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, this is a, an agency that abused small fishermen in New England so badly that even Hollywood decided to get on board. They made his agency the villains in uh, this year's uh, Oscar-winning movie, uh, Coda, for the Oscar for Best Picture. Right. And this, this was uh, – the Coda – it's funny. The Coda story is, is one that's, uh, that I think is very compelling. And it's similar to, though not identical to, uh, one of the cases uh, that we have uh, here at uh, – uh, at NCLA, where we're representing uh, Relentless Inc. and Sea Freeze Limited, and uh, in in their efforts to push back uh, against similar kinds of, of regulations by uh, by NOAA, I do like the fact that uh, that we have fishermen suing NOAA. There's something very uh, antediluvian <laughs> about that. 
That's right. Uh, let's let 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 let's hope that the uh, the whale of the administrative state can be pushed back. Ah, yes. Um, so Gary Gensler's SEC look, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, harpooned even at harpooned right every year. The SEC is a finalist. It seems like in our uh, in our tournament, and and of course Gary Gensler may it ever year, be so. <laughs> one day, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> look, the SEC did more than enough to win a prize in any other year. Um, just one example will be uh, NASDAQ's flatly illegal board diversity quota scheme uh, that we are taking on. Uh, we think it's illegal and unconstitutional. Yes, um, yes. And, we have a lawsuit going in the Fifth Circuit against that. Yeah, and obviously so. And I think in another year, in a non, non-pandemic, non-public uh, health uh, uh, totalitarianism year, I think the SEC could have won. Um, and, and, of course, last year's winner, you, you may recall the yes. CDC – Right, um, for the nationwide eviction moratorium last year. That's right. And Nina Wachowski was last year's winner. Well, Rochelle Walensky, the uh, director of the CDC this year. Nina's boss, essentially, right? I exactly. Think. Yes, <laughs> Nina's boss. Uh, not only, you know, she extended the unconstitutional eviction moratorium, even after the Supreme Court said this is unconstitutional and illegal. And the only reason we're not going to uh, we're not going to shut it down is because it's supposed to end in two weeks. And we think everyone's going to do the right thing. Did they do the right thing, Mark? They didn't. Sadly, they sadly they didn't get the message. In fact, if I remember correctly, President Biden stood in the Rose Garden and and said he sort of said President Biden does this often. He says the quiet thing out loud that That's you're right. not, that you're not supposed to say. And <laughs> and and he said, well, you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and extend this another month. And by the time it gets through the courts and everything, well, we'll have achieved what we what we wanted. You know, we'll have we'll have gotten the extension. And I don't think the courts liked that logic very much, that they were uh, they were being uh, played played for fools, essentially. Say what you will about President Biden, but uh, he uh, he's he's done a lot to prove what we've been saying for a long time. You know, he he says the quiet things out loud. He tells us explicitly what the what the uh, the strategy is. And you can see that these these power grabbing, you know, executive uh, folks they just want to use the courts to get what they want. And the courts don't like being a pawn in this game. Yeah, certainly not, uh, not uh, artificial delay. Uh, when, when rights have already been declared to then artificially delay uh, any further. I mean, I guess it's okay for the courts. So John will, John will remember, I wasn't very pleased with that decision by, uh, uh, by the court to, uh, to, to give two more weeks on something that it had already decided was unconstitutional. Uh, but right. I guess what the court is saying it's it's okay for them to do it for two weeks, but it's not okay for the executive branch to do it for for four or six or eight more. <laughs> well, you know, and that's just one part of it, uh, Mark. I know we have several cases that we bring where uh, the agency takes an action that seems to end the issue for now, but we know it's just going to rear its ugly head in two weeks, two years, two months, um, and but the court will dismiss it for mootness. Now, what yeah. is I mean, this is an ongoing problem, in, and certainly in a lot of our vaccine mandate cases and the eviction moratorium cases even. Uh, we were told after after all that, when the Supreme Court finally did act, what it did was it allowed a stay that had been put in place by the D.C. District Court to stay in place. It didn't actually rule on the merits. I mean, what In order for a stay like that to be upheld, they have to decide that it's more likely than not that you'll prevail. But they don't actually rule on the issue. And so we made the case when our cases got, uh, you know, got returned to, uh, you know, or you know, decided by the Eleventh Circuit, and we had some other cases—one in in the in Iowa, one in Tennessee, 
we made we made the case to the judges that look, the Supreme Court hasn't. I mean, maybe the writing's on the wall, but they haven't actually ruled on this yet. And so, therefore, you should mm-hmm. go ahead and rule in our favor. And they said, well, no, you know, you already have gotten everything that you want out of this this case. And just because you want a precedent doesn't mean that uh, that we're going to continue this case forward. John and I had a whole episode on this mootness problem. I invite people to go listen to if they're if they're interested on it. I thought uh, John uh, summarized the problem nicely. Well, uh, getting back to the to, to the results. Look, these infractions, uh, Spinrad, Gensler, uh, Walensky, as egregious as they were, they just paled in comparison to this year's winner, Mark. Uh, This man fancied himself a monarch with unlimited and unchecked power um, and was uh, responsible for countless unconstitutional administrative abuses uh, in a year where myriad agencies claimed to be following the science. And I hope you can see my air quotes. Um, Even as they ignored any data that conflicted with the narrative, only one bureaucrat wearing a stethoscope led the charge. And of course, uh, I'm talking about the man who had the temerity to claim attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Ah, uh, yes. So the winner of this year's... I think I know who you're talking about. King George Third Prize for the worst abuser of civil liberties, Anthony Fauci of the NIH. Now, was this... Uh, uh, hooray, hooray. Good choice. <laughs> now, was this a close vote? Mark, I've, I, I, we've only been doing this for two years, but he got 85% of the 85% vote. 85% of the vote. That's astounding. In a four-way flagrant four final. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and of all the people, so from the original 32, yeah. he got 65%. 65% of the vote of, of, of the 32 In bureaucrats. In a field of 32. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he should have retired. <laughs> I know when you first announced that that he was one of the nominees that he like about a week later he announced his potential or there were like rumors floating that that's he might right. be retiring. I don't know I don't know he had an official announcement but uh. That's right. That's when the story first broke that he was about uh, about to retire. And and you know it's he's closely uh, what the things that he did are closely tied up with what the CDC was up to. He was the one that led the charge on uh the medical establishment deciding that natural immunity would just go away. That yeah. we would just start ignoring this thing that existed for decades. Well, he pretended that the natural immunity, which science knows exists, and they've known this since the—I mean, at least the plague—and yeah. you know, for smallpox and and every other sort of virus to come along, that that over time, some people develop, typically some people who have contracted the disease, maybe in 100 percent of cases, people who've contracted the disease and then gotten better, that they have these antibodies in their system that give them natural immunity that makes it more difficult for them to contract the disease a second time. Sometimes it's nearly impossible for them to contract it, contract it a second time, but certainly makes it more difficult. But in this case, uh, when there were other renowned scientists who stepped forward talking about natural immunity, that we needed to consider natural immunity as part of the solution here, Fauci and other bureaucrats uh, pretended and, and I think they knew better. I think that they were lying. I, I don't think that they were just mistaken or had a disagreement about the science. I right. think that they were deliberately misleading the American people on the issue of natural immunity. And they were pretending that it doesn't exist when it does. And as a result of that, thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people lost their jobs because folks in the private sector uh, followed the guidance from Fauci and others and decided to, to, to mandate these vaccines and mandate them even for people who had natural immunity, who had no business getting uh, getting the vaccine, uh, and certainly no business uh, having to do so on a mandatory basis. Absolutely, and 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 that's the reason that Fauci is uh, this year's winner. And I, I think honestly, um, if you look at 
all of the other agencies, all of those mandates, OSHA, the CMS mandate, they all excluded natural immunity. And they all did so because uh, Fauci thought he was the science. Um, and there's, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that he did it just for bureaucratic convenience. Yeah, I think that's right. I think he did it uh, for bureaucratic uh, convenience. And, uh, uh, and you know, we've all had to, to suffer the consequences uh, for that. Well, thank you for being with us, Clay. We look forward to the bracket next year. And uh, uh, maybe we'll rerun this show in December and we'll encourage people to, to start sending us